This week, we have a lot of bad behavior all around. This is The Focus Group. They're all business, except when they're not. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Welcome to The Focus Group. John Nash here with Tim Bennett. Focusgroupradio.com is all you need to know for how to find us. And if you want to get in touch with us, it's letters at focusgroupradio.com. Now, I started the show with bad behavior all around because actually I was scanning my shop talks or my caught my eye and, and our shop talk, which are all kind of, you know, as you'll see as the show progresses, sort of in the bad behavior category. And yet Tim's, when we get to it, Tim, you were... This was a good week. You had a good optimistic, uh, <laughs> caught my Uncharacter- eye. Uncharacteristic of me. Yeah, that's, I think we flipped. We went binary. We kind of flipped and, and now we're, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, here we are in the new week. Welcome to November. Hope everybody had a good and fun Halloween. It was a little more normal this year than it has been in the past. Um, saw a lot of kids trick-or-treating. Uh, and in fact, um, I was expecting to see more people dressed up as this thing. Uh, have you seen or heard about this thing called The Squid Game on Netflix? Yeah, have you watched it? A lot of people have watched it. Have you watched it yet? Yeah, Bob has been watching it, and I kind of sideways watch it, and uh, he's enjoying it. But um, apparently the thing is like just exploded. Squid Game's like all over the place. I have no desire to watch it. No, really? Sure. I, I didn't either, but it, once Bob started watching it, I was like, okay, that's, you know, as long as you're What's enjoying Bob it. What's Bob think? He likes it. He, I mean, he's getting through it, right? So... <laughs> All right, maybe I'll have to give it a go. I it, it it looked to me like it also has some animation or something in it. Mm. Does it or no? Is that my I imagination? I think that's your imagination. The costumes and stuff have this kind of game, like Comic Con look to them. You know, very simplistic. Like almost these people are avatars in games. But um, no, I, it's it's kind of a convoluted story. I I dropped it on him watching one, and I'm like, wait a minute, the guy that he just you know it was. You got to watch from the start, but it it didn't appeal to me. So hence I wasn't, you know, I wasn't on board with that. Is it science fiction? I don't know what you would call it actually, because it takes place in our time and, uh, people are rounded up and brought to an Island where they're going, like they're isolated and they're going to play this game. And if they win their debts get paid off, but the true, true thing behind what's going on is far more uh dastardly i suppose than than just simply letting people fight to the death to pay their debts off which is bad enough (laughs) right so then you have this yeah i'll have to give it a whirl and see but i'm like you if i don't if i'm not in in the first you know 10 minutes i'm done yeah exactly so uh coming up in the broadcast we have caught my eye we're going to be visiting with deep discount um and then in our next half of the show uh about 23 minutes in we'll have business birthday the only show in the universe that does the business birthday and tim curates these i love this week's business birthday because we've never had it before and then we're going to finish up with a shop talk on the uh the ranking of colleges that a nonprofit does that um and they've now ranked one of the longest lists they've ever done since 2015 of the schools that are not friendly to lgbtq students so you want to stay tuned for that. I don't think we're going to go through the entire list. But we're going to, to talk about the um, the methodology and how this has all come about. Correct? Yeah, we actually had him on the show, didn't we, back in the day? When yes, we, were we did. On, uh, 
Satellite uh, radio. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was a while ago. You, you had a good memory because I, I saw the name and I thought, wait a minute, I think we've spoken with this guy before. So yeah, yeah, he was on before. Hmm. Yeah, did you, and I also saw, did you see that, um, I saw Tesla, we, we had talked about electric cars before and I saw Tesla ordered 100,000, or I'm sorry, Hertz Rent-A-Car ordered 100,000 Teslas for their fleet. Did you see that in the news? I did. I thought that I was did. an interesting thing. Because one of the my, my problems with renting a car all the time was you're hurried up to go back to the airport to drop it off and you got to find a gas, gas station, otherwise you're going to get killed. <laughs> so I'm sure this will be a great thing, right? Because you, you don't have to look for gas. Unless, of course, they force you to charge it. They want that <laughs> before you, <laughs> you turn it. You, you better find, it yeah. But the, it raises the Tesla article that you, you you had actually sent it to me raises all kind of questions for me though about infrastructure. So clearly Tesla's or, or Hertz is planning on putting in charging points at the stations that allow the rental of the Tesla vehicle. But the broader issue still remains. Uh, you're traveling along and you need to, you know you, the car says you're down to you know an hour left of battery whatever how it measures battery right. time. You got to pull over and charge. Where do you do this? Like. We had a, uh, Bob and I were walking back to the apartment the other day after dinner and we tripped over an extension cord because it was dark. <laughs> and an ex- it was an extension cord running from someone's basement apartment across the sidewalk to their, high, their their electric vehicle in the street. So that's not exactly the way this should be, right? It sh- there should be something that's a point of charge that's not you know impeding you or making you trip on the sidewalk. But that's what people are going to do for a while until that gets sorted out, right? Did you unplug it? <laughs> no, no, we tripped over it, and then another couple tripped over it. This, this, this guy and this girl, and they both stared at it. They looked down. Even the cord was orange. It was just a dark spot on the sidewalk under a tree where there was no uh, spot uh, street light. And I thought this is a disaster waiting to happen, right? That's why I would unplug it. So it's a matter of time before you New Yorkers start cutting those. Now that's what we're going to hear next. The New Yorkers <laughs> don't like that tripping hazard. They're going to be cut. So instead of slashing someone's tire, you're going to cut, cut, the cord. cut their extension cord so their car doesn't charge. <laughs> yeah, I, I, That'll be, I couldn't go to work today because somebody unplugged my car. I could see that happening. I, I could. Yeah, I could see that happening. All right. With, uh, without further ado, Mr. Bennett, what caught your eye? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. So as John said, I, I, had a, I saw this story, and uh, so I actually had a different uh, – motive for picking it but uh, i'll tell you the story first and then we'll get into the reason i picked it but so Spanx, everybody knows Spanx is that um the clothing company this woman sarah blakely founded and uh it's a woman's wear brand that um it's essentially a a shape i guess it's a shape um it's like a girdle i guess a modern day girdle so you would put on this these spanks to um suck in your 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 form and and women love it it's essentially spandex that's too small so you, you, <laughs> yeah, I right? think that's a, I think that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Now, why this is worth one point two billion dollars, John? She sold the company. Uh, she sold the company as the founder of Spanx Women's Wear Company is valued at one point two billion dollars in a recent sale. Uh, Sarah Blakely has uh, sold the company uh, to Blackstone, which has bought a, a majority stake. And um, she she got her start. Uh, she was the, one of the youngest uh, female self-made female billionaires. She sold fax machines going door to door prior to that to make money for health insurance and uh, and good for her. But um, 
so this you know this clothing company had uh, had just recently been been acquired by Blackstone for 1.2 billion. And then as a sidebar to that, which I actually think is 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 quite neat, um, she did she did a toast to uh, to all the women who came before her because she said that um, all the women in the world um, don't get this sort of opportunity. She said, while 50% of the entrepreneurs uh, in the world are women. They only receive less than 3%. She said the actual number is 2.3% of venture capital, which is criminal if you think about it. And uh, she said, so this is for all the moms out there and for her mom and grandmom who uh, had the lack of option to do what she did. And, um, and she said for them, this would have been a very remote dream. So hooray for her and hooray for all those women out there who persevered within business. So what she has done when she made this, um, when, she, when this acquisition happened, she called all our employees together. Uh, in the different factories and offices, and and uh, in this article, and this one particularly came from NPR. They didn't say exactly how many employees she has, and they didn't disclose it. But um, she had a globe on her desk, and she was doing a remote with all the employees, and she announced this deal that uh, the company had been been acquired, or majority had been acquired by Blackstone. And she had a globe spinning on her desk, and she said, "The reason I have this globe is to announce that um, we've been acquired." majority stake by Blackstone. And I want to thank all of you. You all contributed and we all worked very hard night and day to get where we are. She said, initially, when I started, I thought we might make $20 million or the company would be worth $20 million. And uh, obviously it's, it's far more than that. So as a thank you to everybody, she's bought everyone two first class uh, airline tickets to anywhere in the world they want to go. And then she said, on top of that, um, as the room and all the chairs erupted around, around the different, uh, different locations. Um, she said, I'm also giving you spending money to take on the trip, which was $10,000 to every employee. And then they started going around asking people where they would go off the top of their heads. One person said, uh, I'm going to take a honeymoon to Bora Bora. One person said they're going to elope to Sweden. Another one said they were going to take a safari to Africa. And uh, people were just uh, ecstatic about it. So um, I, which made me think if you were put on the spot and somebody said, John, I'm giving you two, you have to make a decision in, a, in 60 seconds. I'm giving you two, f two first class round trip tickets to anywhere in the world. Where would you say you were going? I'd either say Paris or Italy. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's... Yeah. I would either go back to France, but Italy, I would have an ulterior motive for doing Italy. And that would be to do a, to cycle in the uh, Italian Alps. So that, that's on my bucket list, if you have to have a bucket list. So um, I just think that uh, it's pretty amazing that she did this, right? A 10000 per employee and the two first-class tickets. It's like, right. wow, right? Yeah, I was trying to think where I would. I, I thought I would probably say I'd want to go to Australia. Oh, great idea. In other words, a place you can't get to that easily that you want to fly first class. So that I, that I would put New Zealand in that category for me then. I would also look at New Zealand, yeah. Yeah, could you ride? Is would would New Zealand be on your bucket list to ride, or just as a place to go? Most certainly would be on a bucket list to ride. Yeah, definitely because it's just so it's so gorgeous, you know. And the, the terrain is so you know they filmed almost the entire Hobbit and Lord of the Rings movies over there, and right. and they went through jungles and forests, and so there's a lot of different uh, geography over there. Yeah, you you you're smart. You're a smart one. See, Tim. Well, I just I, I just I always regretted never going. You know, of all the times I flew to Japan, now not that Japan is close by, mm -hmm. but because no. you go south like you and I had to do to go to Brazil from uh, from New York. But um, but it certainly would have been a little easier to go from Japan um, than from 
you know, the, the Northeast. But yeah, I was trying to think if somebody put me on the spot and said, you have to, you know, you've got 60 seconds to decide you got to go somewhere. I'm not so sure I'd have come up with Bora Bora or, you know, Galapagos islands, Antarctica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Galapagos <laughs> might be interesting, right? But you I mean, can't really fly first class to the Galapagos. You got to go as far South in South America as you can. And then you take a boat over. So I guess right. the first class part is getting to the tip of South America and then taking the boat. But yeah, that's, that's a good one. I like, and that. another place I want to go to that I'm fascinated about is Uruguay. Uruguay would be really cool. Yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah. And when you and I were in Brazil, of course you and I had about been Brazil'd out when we got sick down there. Um, <laughs> But yeah. while we were down there, we, you know, for a, a 45 minute flight, you and I could have been in Uruguay. We were so far south in Brazil, but I think we were ready to come home. Oh, were we ever? I do remember <laughs> that. I do remember that flight home. You were one cranky. Yeah. Bragado, bragado. <laughs> so what, what, what caught your eye? All right. Uh, the first one, the headline reads, Thai police, women, woman cuts rope holding painters 26 floors high. Uh, this goes back to this whole, you know, um, bad behavior thing I said at the beginning of the, uh, of the broadcast. A woman is facing attempted murder and property destruction charges, police told us, uh, based on the fact that she was in the her apartment building, and this is, comes to us from Bangkok, and it's in Thailand. Uh, and she was basically at her window, and she saw some, you know, repair guys, window people come down in a scaffold, and she was very unhappy that they were hanging outside of her window. So she reached out and cut the rope and let them hang there. <laughs> There's a guy on the roof that was supporting the, helping with the ropes to support this scaffolding thing. And then they were hanging onto the side of it, and a British couple a few floors down, um, actually open their windows and they the guys were able to get in and i actually just uh yeah so i'm sorry they were higher they're at the 32nd floor and they were lowered down to the 21st floor to an open window by a british couple um and the police were like you know this is shocking and it should never have happened and the 34 year old woman at first denied she was responsible for this but the police sent the severed rope with a four fingerprint analysis and dna to the to a lab and it came back and she was in fact responsible i don't even let me see if she i read it yeah she didn't really say why she did this except that she was angry that no one alerted her to the fact that people would be outside her window at this apartment building even though management had said some window repairs are being done or cleaning whatever but could you imagine just being pissed off and taking matters into your own hand and saying, you know, I think that I'm just going to reach out and cut the rope of these people that, that are, you know, and they, she left them dangling. Yeah. Anyway. I saw this story, and I'm glad you picked it because I saw this one, and it was between this and Spanx with me. So it's funny that you picked this one because <laughs> but I was more fascinated by the fact that they were able, they said they, they sent the rope in for fingerprints. I yeah. didn't know you get fingerprints off a rope. Off a rope. You could get them off anything, yeah. Apparently... Um, the Hardy Boys Detective Handbook mentioned that when I was younger, that fingerprints are, yeah, it's... Yeah, they said she was upset that she wasn't alerted to the fact that someone was going to be out there doing whatever they were doing, fixing the plaster or something on the side of the roof. I just thought, what? I, I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh sorry. But it was done, it was done purposefully and with anger and with intent, yeah. you know, because she was pissed off. All right, and this next one, a brief one, comes to us from Massachusetts, and uh, a gay student talking about bullying at a, at her high school, and a board, and she was in front of a school board when she was telling this. 
was shouted over by a woman yelling, this is the indoctrination. So an openly gay Massachusetts student sharing her experiences with bullying at a school board meeting on Tuesday was left in tears after she was shouted over by a woman from the audience who called it indoctrination. Mackenzie Atwood of Franklin High School explained at the board meeting that she had been bullied because of her sexual orientation. Atwood said she's heard from fellow classmates who have been called homophobic and racial slurs in the hallways. But shouting from the audience interrupted her as a school committee chair um, and and Bergen banged on the gavel and said, stop this, stop this. Um, a woman stood up in the back and said, this has to stop. This is indoctrination. And at which point the student, uh, Mackenzie Atwood, tearfully yelled in response, there's no such thing as the gay agenda. The gavel came down again. The meeting went into chaos. And eventually all the parents were like, this is no form for this. This is no place to do this. Our kids are watching us. We need to be behave better. But, you know, what is this, 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 I, I chose this because all these school board meetings seem to be in the news lately, right? Like people, the critical race theory, all this stuff is going on. And when did it become okay for parents to basically get this aggressive at a school board meeting, especially when a student's talking about being bullied? I mean, and then this is the indoctrination. I mean, it's really, it was disappointing to hear. Well, it's about time the parents are showing up Yay. at the meetings because they never did. And uh, but you're exactly right. I mean, it's all and I, I hate to use the words of the uh, the former person who occupied the seat in 1600. But um, or as Nancy Pelosi says, what's his name? Yeah. But um, <laughs> but which I think is hilarious. Yeah, too, but too. yeah, but it's fake news. It's, yeah. it's much, much ado about nothing. And, and, that, and that's the same thing. What was going on with the Virginia uh, race uh, with governor uh, about uh, the fake bathroom stuff that uh, President Obama was talking about. All of this trumped up um, fake moral issues about uh, things that just didn't happen or that might happen. Yeah. You know, no. And, and uh, you know, the only one you need to be careful about in the bathroom is the uh, you know, the closet Republican senator that's reaching under to get a grab. I mean, that's really all you need to be careful about in the bathroom. What was the what transgender was... transgender people just want to go to the bathroom? Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that's this... what they're doing. But but to shout down a young student who is who had to screw up the courage to talk to the school board in front of all these people, basically saying I'm bullied in my school and so are others. And then to have this woman yell at the student. Well, it's the same the thing that happened after the, uh, the the shootings in Florida where people started chasing the students and calling them crisis actors. And right. I just, yeah, well, you... Sandy Hook didn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and, all that nonsense. Yeah, so that... Disgusting. That, so two, two bad behavior things caught my eye, and thank God Tim balanced it with uh, Spanx, sending people around the world on first-class plane tickets and giving them 10,000 bucks apiece, which I think is amazing. All right, so as many of you know, Deep Discount is a partner of ours here on The Focus Group, and we would invite you to visit their site by going to oursfocusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Deep Discount logo. Site-wide sale. It's one of our favorite things that go on during the year at uh, Deep Discount. Everything's on sale, um, and I'm scrolling through a bunch of stuff here, but you know, obviously CDs, DVDs, Blu-rays, but there's music, there's books, there's toys, there's games, there's everything there. So what did you pick, Mr. Bennett, as your choice so, for the site-wide sale? Yeah, so speaking of long-distance travel, I picked uh, Lost in Translation, which was a movie originally <laughs> came out <laughs> Love in, it. Uh, yeah, in 2003, stars Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. And about two Americans in Tokyo, Bill Bill Murray's a movie star, and, and uh, Johansson is their... Um, following her husband along they meet at a luxury hotel neither of them can sleep and they go out in tokyo and 
and uh, kind of experience the culture and uh, learn about them, learn about themselves actually along the way. I remember watching it. I actually took my staff. I was still working at Subaru at the time, and we we went out on a field trip and watched the movie. For those who got to travel to Tokyo a bit or did not, it actually was a pretty mm-hmm. accurate portrayal of what happens when you arrive. You arrive a day later than you started. You come back 20 minutes before you left. You're t- you you really are screwed up in time, and you can't sleep. And uh, it is a cultural shock in the beginning, I think, for many people. So I would like to watch it again because I haven't seen it in so long. You'll love it, and um, and you'll remember. And I'd the, appreciate it differently. I and think. you'll remember the lounge singer. Yeah, we're Sausalito, and we're here all week. <laughs> Do you remember that part? Uh, <laughs> so, so you can catch it there on the, on, on sale for uh, ten thirty nine on Blu-ray. Yeah. Um. So it, it's yeah, excellent movie, excellent movie. I picked a documentary that has not been seen that much, but it's here at deep discount. It's called Jodorowsky's Dune, Dune, and it's in honor of the fact that uh, Dune, the new movie Dune, is out in theaters right now. Uh, Denise Villeneuve's movie, Jodorowsky's Dune, is a documentary about um, filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky, who began working on his version of Dune many years ago. Um, his son was in it, uh, Orson Welles, Mick Jagger, David Carradine, Salvador Dali plays a role. Music was going to be by Pink Floyd. They had concept art by H.R. Geiger, wow. who did all the alien stuff. It's a movie that if it had been made, it would have been a very intriguing looking movie. So this is a documentary that you definitely want to pick up. It's on Blu-ray. It's only 1533 and it's a deep discount. And our uh, release this week is The Crown Season 4. Tim and I love The Crown, and I just wanted to say something about The Crown Season 4. Gillian Anderson plays Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady. And there was all this talk about when Gillian Anderson was portraying Margaret Thatcher and when she would curtsy to the Queen. You don't know have talking about, Tim? Yep. Margaret Thatcher was actually known for doing the deepest curtsy that they'd ever seen. <laughs> To the queen. And it's like it's like reported on. And, and Gillian Anderson apparently studied that very carefully. And when she does meet the queen, she bends down so low. It's almost like you think she's not going to get up. <laughs> I wonder, did she do that because of um, their, their same, they were of sort of the same. Same age. Yeah. Age, right? So as, as a peer or as a uh, respect, I guess. Out of and, total respect. Yeah. Because the, yeah. the, Margaret Thatcher did respect the institution, but Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, was fond of saying that she believed that Margaret Thatcher never listened to a word she said. <laughs> wow. So, so uh, hey, and if uh, if you do get something at Deep Discount, be sure to uh, send us a picture of it to uh, letters at focusgroupradio.com and uh, we'll send you a picture of, or we'll send you a pair of Focus Group Radio socks. Again, head over to focusgroupradio.com. Click on the Deep Discount logo. It's a site-wide sale. I picked Lost in Translation. John picked Jodorowsky's Dune. And the release this week is The Crown Season 4. So uh, stay with us. We'll be right back with some shop talk and a business birthday. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now, back to the focus group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Welcome. 
Welcome back to the Focus Group. John Nash with Tim Bennett. FocusGroupRadio.com is the URL for our show, and you'll learn about us and uh, TFG Unbuttoned, our other podcast, our Tuesday podcast, which you can subscribe, like, and rate to there as well. And as Tim mentioned in the previous segment before we went to break, uh, if you get something from Deep Discount and you want to take a picture of that and include maybe the receipt or the shipping label with it, send us that image to letters at FocusGroupRadio.com, and you will get, if you include your address your mailing address, a pair of the famous Focus Group Radio socks. Um, and whenever the socks come up, that was one of the brilliant marketing uh, ideas that Mr. Bennett had brought to the show. He brought that from corporate America. Because, you know, Tim, what was the line you always used to say about socks? One size fits all, usually, One right? size fits all. There's no, I need an extra large, I need a small. We have too many smalls. We have too many larges. Socks, you know, and that came from Brian Roman and Beth Gardner. Brian Roman, our friend at Admark360 360 360. and Beth Gardner. And what makes me even more aggravated. Oh, no. This, oh, no. What? This is another thing that you and I missed, which we should have paid attention to. Way before Bombas, you and I were doing socks. Yeah, that's true. You and that's I could true. have been the Bombas. We've given out, you know, we were way, we're way ahead of Bombas. And then, you know what? Bombas is doing a pair of slippers now that my grandmother used to make. Really? That I'm also aggravated about and why I didn't think of it. Look, Bombas has these new slippers out. Have you seen them? Well, they had to do something because their whole thing is just socks. So when you buy socks from them, they donate. Like Warby Parker used to donate a pair of glasses to someone who needed it. They donate socks to shelters, I think, because that's the most Well, requested. we were going to do that to the homeless. That's right. We were, yeah. Everybody, you listen to the show, you steal our ideas. We should get some credit. <laughs> I just love this. And MSNBC last week did the whole Halloween candy thing, which you and I have done for years. Meek and Joe talking about Reese's and everything else. They did a horrible job with it. You and I did a much better job with the trick or treat candy thing. Yeah. They did a horrible job. They're not they're not set up to do it right properly. They got people yelling in their ears or talking over each other. And so the Bombas thing, my grandmother and all the little old ladies at the Anglican Church in Nova Scotia would make these little slipper socks things. Don't you know Bombas is selling them? Well, your your grandmother wasn't the only one who made a slipper sock, you know, or a sock. No, slipper. these I'm going to show them to you. I was furious because I forgot all about them. Every Christmas we'd get a pair. Well, and uh, they were goofy looking and uh, they would come in these kind of odd colors and they were. But the church ladies would make these up at the Anglican Church in Parsboro, Nova Scotia. And uh, they lasted forever. They were some kind of crazy yarnish polyester material. And so don't you know, Bombas comes out with these things. And I was like, oh, my God, my grandmother, the church would sell these things for $2 Canadian, which is like 75 cents American. And I'm thinking, my gosh, we again, we missed it. <laughs> I'm thinking, though, of getting these ladies back to selling these things again. And well, why not sell them, too? Do, do you know how many boats have set sail that we've missed, apparently? <sighs> right. You know. Febreze, I missed that. <laughs> Did you really miss Febreze? Okay. I, years ago, I said, yes, I wanted to have a, uh, the cars at Subaru. I was going to, I used to put eucalyptus sprigs in the, in the, in the air conditioning vents to get the car smell nice. And uh, then Febreze goes and puts those things all in the thing to make it smell nice. You know, put the things in the, that was my mm -hmm. idea. You mean the little plastic thing that would clip it? Yeah. 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 Everybody at Subaru told me I was crazy. Again, you and I wouldn't be sitting here. Look, we could wind this all the way back to the day you decide you wanted to sell bottled water and everybody laughed us out of the room. Everybody laughed you out of the room. They're like, who's going to buy water in a bottle? Yeah, Water's everywhere. Who's going to buy water in a bottle? <laughs> five years old. Going to have Roxbury Spring Water, you and I. Trucks all over the world. <laughs> I agree. Who's going to buy water? Who's going to pay for water? That, that, see, 
That's that's the one that I think is the funniest miss of them all because uh, look what happened, right? Or Jay and I went to New York City with our friend Andrew and Tommy Hilfiger was going to give us Philadelphia for $100,000. Here, take it. I'll let you have Philadelphia. All the rights to Philadelphia for $100,000 for any Tommy Hilfiger stuff before he launched his brand. Jay and I didn't have 10 cents. Of course, we're trying to find $100,000. Isn't that always the case, though? It's timing. It's all about timing, right? So here we sit. Yeah. And on that note, business birthday. (laughs) Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. It could have been Harrison McCain, John. I like this guy. Our birthday today. Born November 3rd, 1927. He uh, died March 18th, 2004 at 76 years old, Canadian businessman and co-founder, along with his three brothers of the international frozen foods giant, McCain Foods Limited. Did you ever hear of McCain Foods? Yeah, sure. I, I knew who he was right away when, when you popped it up. I'm like, this is, this is a big one. See, I never did. I don't know why I didn't. And I didn't necessarily recognize the logo. I don't know if I'm just... You know, pay you, attention. interesting. I wonder if we're still, I have not seen the McCain logo in a while. And I wonder if another big food company absorbed it and is still selling the product line, but uh, not under that name. Well, they've absorbed a lot. They, so they recently, in 1997, they bought Orida. So they're ah, selling in the U.S. under okay. Orida potatoes and so forth. But um, so he was born in New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, as I mentioned, uh, descendants of uh, folks from Ireland and uh, they became well-respected seed potato farmers. That's not a stereotype, potatoes in Ireland. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so since 1900, the family sold potato seeds throughout New Brunswick and exported them to Cuba and Latin America. So McCain Foods was founded in 1957 by the Harrison brothers. Uh, so it was Harrison and Wallace McCain. And uh, with the help of two of their older brothers, when they first went into production, they hired 30 employees and they grossed about $150,000. And uh, during the 70s through the 90s, the company had expanded and uh, they added additional prepared foods. And they were able to figure out the process of uh, froze, uh, freezing, and uh, which obviously helps in terms of transporting foods and keeping freshness longer, as we all know. And uh, then they ventured into frozen pizzas and vegetables. And um, some of their first factories obviously were in Canada, but they now have 44 plants around the world. I think they have six of them in the U.S., and they just opened some plants in China, and they also have some plants in Africa now as well. They, um, As they've added to their business, oh, I'm sorry, they have 55 factories worldwide now. Wow. And they're the number one French fry company in the world. Yeah, and that's because of the acquisition of Orida, right? Yeah, and I, I, I think uh, before then they were also one of the top. And because I always thought McDonald's, uh, well, I think McDonald's is the biggest buyer of, of, of fries or something, but you know, you this did is it. the biggest producer. You did something years ago where McDonald's grows their own. Don't they own whole farms devoted to just growing the the French fry potato for them or something? Yeah, and, and so that's why I was trying to I was trying to figure this out. But they, they do say as of 2017, the company is the world's largest. Wow. So as of 2017. It's the company, uh, the company McCain is the world's largest manufacturer of frozen potato products with over 20,000 employees and uh, production facilities on six continents. They generate $8.5 billion in annual sales. And uh, they won a prize in France for best of packaging. I don't know how you get best packaging. What do you throw them? You throw them out of bag. 
Are you just being mean because it's French? The French who gave us that award? <laughs> them. You got the prize for best peck of jam. Bonjour. Bad, bad, bad accent. Right. Les frites. The, uh, free frites. Steak frites. It's a uh, major competitor is Simplot and Lamb Weston. That's a weird, that's a, I, I don't even know that name there. They must have brand names under that name, right? That we yeah. would know. But that other one is like, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, the brothers got in a fight. And, uh, so there was a, there was some kind of control over the company. We're not going to get into that. Um, they won all, obviously all kinds of awards in Canada. The, uh, um, Harrison died of kidney failure in Boston, Massachusetts in March of 2004 but obviously as a not only as a global business but obviously as a canadian business uh they were the 19th largest privately held company in canada and um obviously won all kinds of awards and in, in canada for business and lots of recognition of course but uh yeah harrison mccain frozen foods new brunswick canada not a bad business Happy birthday at all and um I always look at businessmen like him who basically just grew the company. They, they showed up for work every day. They did a good job. He knew the market niche grew, 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 grew. And then obviously it's consolidation or sell or, 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 or they buy brands themselves and then they, they go from there. But yeah, it's a captain of industry, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because people like them are like him. Um, you never know, right? He's he's worth. He's probably one of the wealthiest Quiet men in money. Canada. Yeah, not you know, and probably could walk around and nobody knows mm -hmm. who he is. So different than someone who might be um, a a celebrity or or someone or like in Europe, Christian Ronaldo, Christian Christian Ronaldo, the famous soccer player. You you would see him on the street. You know, people would know him right away. He that's a different life, right? You make a ton of money playing football over in Europe. Um, you're recognized. It would be just so different, right? So this is this is the guy, your guy, uh, the uh, McCain, uh, McCain. 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 Is it McCain or McCain? Wait a minute. Harrison McCain. McCain. Yeah, uh, he, he can go out and go to a restaurant. Nobody's probably going to bother him. Yeah, exactly. But if you were if you were Bill Gates and you're out, or you were, you know, somebody like that, you're going to get bothered all the time. But here's mm -hmm. somebody who probably go around anonymously, but have all the benefits of his wealth in terms of kind of doing what he wants when he wants, or travel the way he wants but uh, doesn't have all the aggravation of being bothered. Yeah, I, which is pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that he likes it that way because I don't think people really want to be, I think anonymity is, is, a, is actually a pretty valuable thing. Well, it's but, like Michelle Obama used to say, she couldn't even go to Target, right? She couldn't no. go to Target anymore. Or Cher can't go get a piece of pizza. <laughs> Cher. How do you get pizza? I just remember you just had me. You just gave me a flashback to one of our Vegas trips and shows where we got to see Cher, and we were in that special box section on the orchestra floor. And maybe about ten minutes in, uh, you were hoping she was going to do full songs, or you know, you had some yeah. favorites. And then you just looked at me like, "Oh, this is a jukebox musical. We're going to get snippets, snippets." And true enough, she'd start something, and you know. And then it would go right. Yeah. Then she's off stage for a new costume and comes on with, you know, only the low. Yeah. So it's. Uh, and I know, you know, what I loved about that show is I didn't know whether people were laughing. We, like people were laughing. Right. And we didn't know whether they were laughing because it was so it was fun. Yeah. Or if fun. they were just laughing because it was so absurd in that she would. She changed between every song. I mean, she put on 19 different outfits. And that's what was so funny, too. And the, each outfit was more outrageous when she came out. And I was laughing not at her, but just like this is so over the top 
that she just was like it, I wasn't laughing at her, but it was just so funny that she was just so over the top. Right, Tim, That's what I was Tim, are you? Is it you and me in Palm Springs, where someone in a guest house next to the one we were staying at played this the new share CD over and over and over? Maybe it was me and Bob. I, and I think we were staying at the Hacienda, and eventually one of the guests went over to the next door and like you know. Are you playing Cher? You know, like, yeah, don't you? We love the new CD too, but, you know, and then it stopped for a while and then it went on again. No, that but, wasn't me. But that was back when music had to be like an album or a CD and, and sh- over and over. I remember sitting there, but is this Cher again? Anyway, um, <laughs> moving right along. Uh, at the top of the show, we, uh, we mentioned we have a shop talk today and the uh, headline of the piece we're going to look at says, The Worst List names 180 colleges that are unsafe for LGBTQ students. The founder of the LGBTQ nonprofit Campus Pride said the list is the longest it's ever been. Um, So with that, we're going to move into that. And uh, the head of this organization, as Tim uh, pointed out, spoke with us many years ago when we were over on Sirius Satellite Radio. And at the time, I don't remember the list being um, 180 strong. And in fact, at the it was the opposite. They were actually promoting schools that were great for LGBTQ inclusivity and uh, welcoming campuses. So this is kind of a, a flip. And the and the one and one thing I'll say about this thing is the uh, the this this list, or as he says, the most extensive updates since the list started in 2015. Over the years, from 2015 to now 2021, they have seen a market increase in schools that are quote-unquote unsafe for LGBTQ students. It's funny that it tracks closely to a, an administration that we've had in power for a while. And I think, and this also then does tie directly into the previous administrations, jiggering around Title IX and some uh, rule changes that allow universities that are religiously based to have exemptions from the federal discrimination laws. Did I read that correctly? Right. And uh, so the head of this organization, Campus Pride, is named Shane Windmeyer, a founder and executive director. Um, And he basically said of these schools, uh, of the 180 on the list, they promote an environment of hostility, of discrimination, harassment, toward a group of people, and who wants, when you're trying to be educated, to have that type of negative learning environment. So you just got back from your um, uh, homecoming weekend, Tim. Tim Tim's school is not on this list, and I think that your school, in fact, would be the opposite of being on this list, your old school, right? Well, you know, my school was not any bastion of of, of liberal, um, although it's a liberal arts college. and there were certainly uh, probably a larger number of diverse students than um, one would think for a small rural Ohio college. Um, no, it was not on this list, thankfully. But it was interesting to be out there because it, it's certainly in the in the amount of time since I've graduated to now. And I, I talked to a number of different students and people who graduated who were thankful of the changes that have um, have happened there, because as I said, in rural Ohio, which is quite frankly Trump territory, uh, you know, when you drive out there, there, there are a lot of anti-vaxxers. There's lots of Trump signs still in people's yards and on the side side of buildings. But um, they have uh, bathrooms that are non-gender bathrooms in the dorms. Um, they have a very forward policy about um, athletes that are trans about participating in sports and no issues about it. In fact, there's um, trans uh, 
uh, female to men, um, trans students that are part of the men fraternities, um, which we were really um, quite, quite pleased and, and shocked about, quite honestly. And uh, so a lot of people that I talked to that thought that maybe the school was not that forward thinking were very pleased and re-engaged about uh, the fact that things certainly were a lot different from when we were there. And people were a lot more open about a lot more open about the fact that um, the school was really a lot, a lot different. But I think a lot of schools, probably your your college, your university, Binghamton, is probably also very different than when you were there. Yeah, in we terms have... of in terms of how how gender is being handled and how trans students and, and LGBTQ students are being handled on campus, don't you think? Oh, totally. And to give you uh, an idea of some of the schools that made this 180 list of colleges that are unsafe for students, um, just to name a few: Brigham Brigham Young University in Utah, Seattle Pacific University, Malone University in Ohio, and Baylor University in Texas. So picking up on what Tim said a moment ago, um, I did go to a see my niece play soccer at Skidmore over the weekend, last weekend, and it was hilarious. First of all, I, it was like a true American rite of passage going to see a you know some kind of a football, soccer, whatever college game, right? We sat on the wrong side by accident. We sat on the uh, the, the other team's side, <laughs> and we had this big Skidmore blanket we were wearing, and, and everybody kept looking at us weird. And our niece is on Did the you sit on the Vassar side or something. <laughs> St. Lawrence, or I forget what the school <laughs> they were playing, but we were on the wrong side. And <laughs> typical, right? But afterwards, um, our niece introduced us to a whole bunch of her friends and some teammates, and one friend she introduced us to was a, a delightful young woman. Uh, and they were really, really fun to talk to, by the way, um, especially when some of the other parents were away. Bob and I were like, hey, here's a, here, how's your college year going? Here's what we were experiencing sophomore year. You guys are I'm, you're so happy you're here. And they were experiencing They had a rough first year because of the event, but they were having a good second year. But then out of nowhere, um, our niece says, oh, um, this friend you're, that you're just talking to, she's on your she plays on your team. And I said, well, we're not. I said, our team. And she goes, yeah, yeah, she's an L. She goes, you guys are G, she's an L. And they all laugh like, you know, oh yeah, yeah, ha, ha. you know. So to your to your earlier observation about your campus, um, I think that uh, from where we sit in the timeline as adults and we look at, at kids in school now and university, it's very different. I mean, for them to have that kind of, uh, I don't want to say it's laissez-faire, but they were very at ease with it and they had no problem, Catherine had no problem joking with her gay uncles about a friend of hers who happened to be quote unquote on our team. And, and it was just, I don't know that that would have happened 20 or 30 years ago. Right? No. And, but that's what I wonder about when you see someone, we talked about it earlier, um, earlier in the show. That's what I wonder about some of these, um, when we talked about school boards or what's going on with the parents of, of some of these issues that, that are being brought up is, it seems like a lot of the students and the younger uh, generation seem to be a lot more at ease with either gender issues or growing up with a much more diverse uh, group of friends and, and being a lot more accepting of, of people's differences. But the parents, which a lot of them are our age um, or a little younger, seem to be either uh, less accepting than we were 20 years ago. Um, I, I don't get that. To me, I, I, unless it was, it's just more in the open now. That's where I'm confused by a lot of this. Yeah, it's like a flip, right? <laughs> like our, I don't believe our parents were ever that rude or that unwelcoming. You know, I don't remember any of our parents ever being that unwelcoming 
to to a friend or somebody mm. who is different. I, I don't I don't know. I, I I find it really really troubling. And I don't know if it it, it was it, it's permission now that has been given since we've had all of this uh, um, strife against one another. And I don't people blame social media for it. Um, and yeah. I don't know, but it, there just seems to be such a such a Everything. us versus them. I totally agree with you. And that us versus them thing more pronounced than ever. I do not recall that when I was younger, that, that, that has, I have no memory of that kind of, that kind of conflict with a fellow American citizen. It's a, it's weird. Um, going back to this article for a second, uh, Windemeyer, the uh, gentleman who runs the campus pride organization said that part of the reason this year's update to the list was significant is because of the changes the previous administration made to the title nine religious exemption process. And this was interesting. Under uh, former President Barack Obama, religious schools had to submit a letter outlining why they needed an exemption from to Title IX. The previous administration changed that rule so that religious schools were automatically exempt from Title IX, which allowed them to continue receiving federal funds while, for example, enforcing a rule that prohibits students from engaging in gay sex or same-sex relationships. Um, I just kind of highlighted that because uh, you and I, and I do think that at the core of some of our conversations about civility and about how we all meet on the uh, town square is a lack of actual civics education. I mean, you and I were, we were, it, we had civics classes through most of our, uh, you know, K through 12. And the, what, what was the one thing you were taught over and over and over again? The separation of church and state was one reason why the United States was founded because we, you know, all the people that came from Europe were escaping religious persecution, et cetera, et cetera. And here we have, you know, Title IX can be ignored and you're still going to get federal dollars. And the people that you're going to discriminate against happen to be American citizens as well. But that's okay because you're exempt from Title IX. I mean, it's so, I just don't understand it any longer. That's, that's, I guess that's what I'm expressing is a lot of confusion at this. Right. And then, and we'll post the, um, we'll post this article to our Facebook page, which is focus group radio. And it'll list all the schools, all, all 180 schools are, are religiously affiliated that are, that are on the list. The one thing I question, and then they kind of answer it toward the end of the article. Um, some of the kids are, some of the kids that are at some of these campuses that are very, um, stifling to their, to their LGBTQ students and feel that they've been bullied or they don't feel comfortable. Um, my question is, why would you stay there? Why wouldn't you transfer? Mm, and yeah. because I, I don't know, would you want to stay somewhere where you nope. are not welcomed? Nope. And, and, and it's similar when I, when you and I have said, if you live in a state, you know, if it, would you live in a state where you felt unsafe or that felt one's unwelcomed? harder, that one's a bit harder picking up and moving to a whole new ge doing a ge doing a geographic, like moving to escape that problem is difficult. School choice at college though. You know, I think that people, I think having Campus Pride as a resource, I, I, I would right. love to get them out there more so that people know, LGBTQ students know when they're in this search process, they have a resource to check out. Right. So they, so what these, what these um, kids have said, because I, you know, so they, to, to answer this, why don't you transfer is that they feel that they should be part of the, you know, perhaps being part of the solution and fight within mm to make sure that they can change things at some of these schools. And they use Brigham Young as an example well, yeah. to say, we, we want to be here, we want to be visible, and hopefully we can make some change. So we want to stay here and fight and uh, and, be, and have visibility for, for students to come and make sure everybody's welcome. So I, I can understand that aspect too. So, But it's uh, we'll post the article to our Facebook page. But uh, I'm glad you found that, John. 
So, hey, thanks for joining us today, and uh, be sure to follow along with us. If you go to focusgroupradio.com, you'll find all of our media house there. We hope everyone has a great week, and be sure to catch our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned every Tuesday. See you next week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.